Welcome to the Dog Training Audio Experience. I'm your host, Erica Gonzalez. I'm a certified dog trainer and behavior consultant and founder of From Dusk Till Dog, LLC. And I appreciate you being here. Welcome to the podcast, guys. If you feel like walking your dog is a tug of war, well, today's podcast is for you. We are going to be discussing all things loose leash walking, where to start, and what to consider. And to join me to discuss this topic, I want to welcome Richard Gonzalez, a fellow Gonzalez. He was previously a Marine for 12 years and is a graduate of the University of Washington's Applied Animal Behavior Program. Richard is also a Karen Pryor Academy graduate and is a CPDTKA. He is also the owner of Domesticated Dog located in Washington State. Thank you for joining us, Richard. Thank you so much, Erica, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm really excited for us to chat about this hot topic amongst pretty much anyone who has a dog, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure everybody's also uh, Loving to hear us finally get together after seeing some that TikTok with us dancing. Oh, yeah. Doing the Chris <laughs> Brown, Drake kind of remix to each other. <laughs> Absolutely. I've had way too much fun doing some of those TikToks. I have to say it's helped me get through some of these weird moments we're in as a society and as, as the world is kind of experiencing some of this quarantine and being home. So thank God for some dancing. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. And it's a great way to... Uh, you know, just get everybody feeling great and also be able to uh, a great way to deliver quick, um, quick messages that are positive and, and help, you know, uh, right. our daily pet parents. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm really looking forward for us to chat about this. And so, you know, loose leash walking is a big topic. And I feel like in the dog training world, obviously, as dog trainers, we are giving pet parents advice on this all of the time, but also just pet parents, dog lovers, everyone kind of wants to know how to improve this. So I want to first put everyone at ease that dogs pulling while out on a walk is completely natural and very normal for dogs. I'm sure most dogs would describe us as slow as hell when it comes to walks. So with our dogs wishing we were a little faster and us humans wishing some of our dogs were perhaps a little slower, we're going to talk about how we can make this all work. So Richard, well, how would you define, just to help those listening, how would you define what loose leash walking is? And is it the same thing as a heel? Because we hear, I hear healing and loose leash walking. And so how would you describe it? And, and would you say it's the same thing as a heel or different? That's a great question. Um, so for me, loose leash walk, walking is, um, is basically the way that I, I describe it is walking with your dog harmoniously within an environment with no tension on the leash. And if, if you notice, I didn't say uh, my dog being on my left side or my right side or in a heel position. And the reason that is, is because I think that's more of a traditional and I would even say outdated idea of what um, people would say loose leash walking is or what we um, expected of our dogs back then right. and that came from more of a of a traditional um, obedience type background that actually filtered into um, you know pet training so therefore everybody's like oh I, I gotta put my dog in a heel gotta put my dog in a heel <laughs> right and when we think about that it what's the purpose of a walk um, a lot of times people go oh I walk my dog you know once or twice a day and I, and I ask them why do you do that and it's oh so they get exercise but 
when we exactly. look at the way that they walk their dogs, it's in a heel position. They're not allowing them to sniff. It's it's just an A to B and move through the environment, which is not uh, mentally um, stimulating and actually probably causes more stress than relieve it because they're having to suppress a lot of those um, natural or, or innate, you know, uh, behaviors that. Right. That's very true. With. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I always, I ask the same things of clients and I think that's a really good point because I always, I feel like people are struggling sometimes to help alleviate some of this energy that some of these breeds have and just some of these personalities that dogs have. They really need that physical outlet and just an outing, if you will, out of the house as we are all needing these days. But, you know, I, I feel the same way. I feel like you you shouldn't look at it as A to B. Like you said, I feel like whose, whose walk is it? It's not really ours. And if you're trying to bring your dog out on a walk because you need exercise, then you need to bring your dog out on a walk for their exercise and not yours. So I think, I think that's a a really fair thing to bring up. So, and so I, I agree. I feel like when we're walking, we really should be viewing it more as, an enjoyable time together and not necessarily something that's, you know, that can seem kind of militant sometimes with the, they have to be on the whole healing thing. So I think it's important for us to distinguish between walking your dog without losing your shoulder, but also, you know, also our dogs having enough room to breathe and move around and sniff and enjoy themselves a little bit. So I think it's, it's a nice little compromise and there are some things that we're going to talk about to get that to happen. But you know, I feel, uh, you know, that being prepared is so important. So what should people have to get ready to work on this in terms of maybe harnesses or equipment? What would you recommend they kind of have in their arsenal or their tool toolbox to bring with them to get started on this stuff? Awesome. So first, I, I like to, I like to, you know, when, when we talk about preparation, I like to bring up a quote that I, really resonates with me. And it's, and it's a quote that says, um, people don't plan to fail. They just fail to plan. And, mm. and, and it's not because necessarily they, they do it on purpose. It's a lot of times there's um, misinformation out there that's directing our pet parents, um, you know, in the wrong directions, giving them wrong information, incorrect information, maybe outdated information. Right. And so um, I, I think that we need to, you know, uh, bring uh, this more modern um, updated information and help people prepare and tell them this is what you need to prepare and this is what it looks like when you do this right and so on going on that um some of uh, just in general a lot of things go into training so you know depending on whether we're training loose leash walking or we're actually past the training even though i would say training is an everyday thing throughout the life of our animals. it's a lifestyle it's, it's, it's continuous it's a lifestyle it's not it's not just a one and done or I hit A, B, and C class. Mm-hmm. So um, things that I would, I recommend um, just in general on a, a loose leash walk is uh, a great harness. Okay. So a harness, uh, the reason I like harnesses is um, it keeps the stress off of the neck. Um, and the harnesses that I like to recommend, are, you know, either the front, the front and rear clipping type harnesses. Right. Um, some of the names that I I, I do throw out, um, I'm not endorsed by any of them, um, but are like uh, the <laughs> No Pull Freedom harness or um, the um, 
excuse me, I'm forgetting. No, this that's one. Uh, okay. I have a bunch. Stuff. I feel like we have a list, you know. Yeah. But oh my gosh, there's. Well, let's go through them if you remember there. some of them. And and guys, I'll I'll put some of these in the show notes if you'd like. And I actually, my first podcast I ever did was about items that I liked. So it was like harnesses, treats, all that. So feel free to review those. But I've, I feel like as I've gone, some of my recommendations on the harnesses have changed a little bit. Yes. So, you know, um, but I I definitely have recommended the freedom. I know I, right now on my two dogs, I have the pet safe three in one harness, which is Uh a little bit more affordable than some of the other harnesses. So I kind of like having that as a more affordable option for some people. The balance harness is big. Have you ever used that one? I really like the balance harness. Yeah, and and that it's funny because when I was – so I I got introduced to um, dog training when I needed a service dog back in 2010. And um, that service dog organization, who I still um, act as a military advisor to, um, they use the freedom harness and they still do. And so that's kind of what I was brought up with um, as I went into the um, industry and started mentoring under other professionals. I also saw um, the balance harness come out because mm-hmm. of um, the more of the construction where it's less on um, on the, I guess, impeding the gait of, of the animals. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I do I do. The more that I learn, I go back and I and I look at the things that I recommend and I use and I go is this still accurate? Do I still feel the same way about it with this new knowledge? So I'm always looking up to date and I, and I encourage everybody, pet parents as well, um, professionals, always go back and continue what you're, what you're looking at or what you're recommending and see if it's still within your values, right? right. See if it's still with those up-to-date methods as well. Always be learning. That's important. Yes. No matter what you're doing or who you are, always be learning. I feel like that's really important. So yeah, a good Y-shaped uh, harness is something that is a necessity. And to your point, like yeah. you said, we don't want to utilize any tools that are going to be restricting not only their gait or other parts of their body, which is why I like the Y-shaped harness is the best, which are those that we just recommended. But also yeah. we, we really don't want to be using anything on the dog's neck um, to, you know, choke them or, or you know, restrict yeah. airflow or anything like that. And back to your earlier point, we don't want to add further stress to this situation. Your dog's just trying to have a good walk and have fun. They're not pulling at you to bother you, (laughs) although it can seem like that for some people. (laughs) But, you know, having a good Y-shaped harness is is definitely going to help you. And I feel like a tree pouch too, right? Definitely. Um, Real quick, just back it up. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I do have a collar on, but that collar is, you know, I like to, uh, to tell everybody that collar is actually more just for identification purposes, mm-hmm. as well as should my dog for some reason, unforeseen reason, get out of my, get away from me or, you know, get out of the house. Someone has something that they are able to go ahead and um, grab a hold of the dog while they, you know, um, get the dog to a safe place. So a collar for me is more of identification purposes. For sure. Yeah. So, um, yes, uh, I, I tree pout, beige pout, you know, they call a lot of people call them, um, many different things. Mm-hmm. I like to have, um, anywhere from three to five different type of reinforcements in there. Um, a lot of my reinforcements are pre-cut, um, because prior proper planning prevents <laughs> in the military, they would say piss poor performance. <laughs> um, <laughs> and oh, so, I love that. um, yeah, so I normally have three to five different treats, and uh, you know, within you know uh, levels of a hierarchy of you know low, medium, and high high value. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of those higher value, I use more in 
uh, situations that are um, needing to, you know, over, um, I guess, get my uh, my dog to um, bigger distractions. attention more if needed. Yeah, deal with more different type of distractions, things like that. Or they do something really awesome. I'm like, yo, that was jackpot. Boom, <laughs> here you go. Right. <laughs> and um, so I like that. Um, a lot of those treat sizes are, you know, roughly about pea size. I'm not trying to fill up my um, my my learner with, you know, giving them big old pieces of of meat because they got to sit there and chew it up and exactly you know and so it's just quick little deliveries boom letting you know hey you're doing a great job um a leash i love leash i'm 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 on this bio saying uh, movement um, oh me too i'm that, right there with you yeah i'm i'm developing them as some as well i'm trying i'm doing a system where i think it's going to be really helpful for um everyday pet parent and professionals. Oh, I will be investing in one. So I'm very <laughs> excited about that. And just for those <laughs> listening, biothane, what we mean by that is just, it's a specific type of material that basically makes your leash weatherproof in a way. So there's, you know, I had an issue with cloth leashes earlier where it was, you know, getting muddy and wet and disgusting. It was very hard to clean. So as the germaphobe that I am at times, I really appreciate having a material like biothane so that it's easy to wipe off. It's easy to disinfect. It's easy to clean. And it feels really good in your hands as well, which I think is important for when you're walking your dog. Yeah, absolutely. And get this, it's a vegan option. It's not an animal. Right. right? So us being professionals, you know, pro- you know, promoting, you know, uh, positive reinforcement and, and, mm-hmm. and advocating for animals. We're not, you know, now we're getting away from using animal hides. Exactly. For this type that's such an important so point. A, yeah. I think it's a really great, um, really great aspect of the biothane as well as not only does it handle in the, in the summertime, but it handles in the wintertime. Right. So like our leashes get, you know, wet and cold in the snow. I live in Washington state. I get all four seasons. My leashes, you know, they can hit (laughs) sun, dirt, sand, snow. I mean, mud. And believe me, when they dry, they look, they look different or it takes forever. So I like the option of it just being able to be clean quick, um, being able to ready to be used next day, even with collars, because how many times do our collars get dirty and then we got to hang them up and wet and now our dog doesn't have any identification on them so it's That's really true. good to just have um a product that boom it, it serves its purpose and it gets back into um uh being you know usable yeah for sure. I think, I think that's really good. So a, a Y-shape harness, a nice biothane leash would be nice. And our treat pouch with some, you know, three to five different types of rewards. And I definitely agree with that. I think having, I always tell clients to audition several treats outside before they even attempt to do any training stuff. I'm just like, literally walk your dog out front and bring out a few different things and watch their face and their eyes. And I want like a, Ooh, give me more of that for at least yeah, like, a few of that? them, if not all of them. So that's going to be your ticket to ensuring that you're paying the learner a wage that is appropriate for the job that we're asking. Right. So Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's a and, good point. Yeah. Um, definitely poop bags and a poop bag container. For sure. Um, we want, we want to be uh, responsible pet owners and we want to leave things better than we, you know, we use it and we don't appreciate when other people leave stuff. So, you know, we try to do our part. Let's be pre- prepared and 
have those things along. Maybe someone else isn't prepared. You can help them along the way. They have many different purposes as well, you know, so I I think poop bags are great. Um, A water source, if you're, you know, depending on the environment that you're going to be in, whether, you know, mountainous, high altitude, whether it's a hot day, you know, people can also get dehydrated within uh, cold environments too, as well. I've known this from my military experience. So some type of water source and obviously uh you know, a container for that as well. There's a lot of collapsible bowls you can take on. And, 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 and here's the thing, it sounds like a lot of stuff, but literally like all this stuff can literally go in your treat pouch. Right. And you know, you have a water bottle. Exactly. So, we all carry it. Sound it. Like I carry a lot. all of that every oh. time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you and, get and, used and, to and, it. And, and if you're like me, you probably have a phone with some type of, of, um, recording device so that you can capture any type of good training we can you know show the community right get that on social media and for you know pet parents I think it's a great idea when you're training some of this to off of that point Richard I think videotaping yourself training your dog as us dog trainers know all too well it really helps you see what's going on right like oh I missed <laughs> that thing or well, my dog was staring right at me and I missed that opportunity to reinforce him or whatnot. So I always recommend that people, if you're having trouble or you're trying to learn, or you're just trying to see your skills improve, videotaping yourself with your phone, just putting it up on something or, you know, using a stand of some sort and just do a little back and forth and work with your dog. It'll really give you the opportunity to analyze what you're doing and improve upon it. So I think that's, that's really good. Anything else we should bring on the walk before we talk? Because we're going to talk about some a couple exercises today to go through. But before we do that, anything else we're missing? I think we got uh, most the of moment. the key ones. So yeah. quick recap, yeah, guys. Y-shape harness, leash, poop bags, water source, treat pouch with at least three to five different types of treats, preferably high value. And you should be good to go. And honestly, that's not that much. So it's all stuff that you're going to have on your dog anyway, most of the time when you're going out with them. So bring that out with you and you'll be ready to go. So I know that there are many ways to work on loose leash walking. There's books on it. There's podcasts about it like this one. And there's a ton of videos. But to I want to try to break it down for people. We're going to give three main exercises today. Richard's going to give us insight on Let's say, let's start with this. Let's say somebody has never really worked on loose leash walking before. They have no idea how to start. The dog's pulling a little bit on these walks. What would be the first type of simple exercise that this person can start with, Richard? Okay, so before I talk about the the exercise first, I want to just first say a couple notes about that. When we're, sure. when we're working with our dog, especially with loose leash walking, I, a lot of times I see people not as present as they should be. So, mm. I mean, maybe looking at social media, um, uh, occupied in other things uh, other than, you know, the, the process of walking their dog. And that right there, you know, can cause inconsistencies where the dog is able to learn behaviors of pulling and doing things. And then next, you know, you're being reactive rather than proactive. Right. And again, uh, what's the saying? An ounce of, of, a prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm. So if, if, if we're preventing things, we don't have to come up with a management plan for it. So again, I think being present is huge. Um, consistency. I like to have, um, I like to teach my students about hand placement, proper hand placement and 
being consistent with it, as well as other tools such as uh, waist leash. Um, I'm, I like waist leash. Um, oh, me and too. Other people, and, and the reason that it is, is because one, um, you're consistent. So, you know, if you stand still, that dog doesn't, is not able to go ahead and get, you know, at five more inches by your arm extending. It's literally what it is. You know, it's consistency and consistency is key with, uh, with, with dogs and learning. Absolutely. Um, I have a waist belt too. I think that those are really good, especially if you are really worried your dog is going to pull you over or God forbid, you feel like you're going to lose the leash in your hands or anything like that. A walking belt of some kind like that is really great for safety and just to have as an emergency backup system as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, so first thing, I, if I was going to um, tell uh, somebody who has never really experienced uh, loose leash walking is I want to re I want them to reinforce their dog being at their side. Now, this could be with a leash or without a leash. I've, I, I've done it both ways. Um, I've, I've practiced. Uh, I've actually put out a video where I I did a loose leash video with no leash right. and how was that? Because I, I created an association with my learner that it was way better to be with me and walk with me than to be anywhere else in, in the environment. And, and I did that by reinforcing them at my side. And when I say reinforcing at my side, I normally set up my, my bait pouch where I literally can just come from my bait pouch and I, and I reinforce at my pocket. And essentially, that keeps the learner right there. And now I'm not looking for that, you know, perfection of heel. But when it when I put that leash on, they, they understand what better way to to know how to walk with me than to not have any tension at all from the very beginning. Right. So right? we're rewarding them basically for being what, what we usually call like being in position, right? That's a position we'd yeah. like at some point during these walks. And the more you reward your dog for being in that spot, they're going to go back to that watering hole, so to speak. There's a lot of reinforcement happening in that area. So the dog's going to start picking up on, well, this spot's the best place to be. Absolutely. And reinforcement drives behavior. If mm -hmm. we reinforce a behavior that, reinforcement that they will more likely occur right so that dog receiving that reinforcement in that position it's he is more as likely to uh, to be in that position for us again yeah whatever gets rewarded gets repeated that's a there's a we have a million slogans for just give your dog a treat <laughs> man so yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's a great place to start trying to do this without a leash. I think for those first starting out, I think that's great because you don't have the pressure of like, how do I hold the leash and where's my pouch and how do I hold the treats? And you have one less thing to worry about and just focus on your dog, just paying attention to you, walking generally in that little pickup window where you want them to be and they'll likely to repeat that if you reward it. So I think that's a, a wonderful way to start. And then incorporating the leash after you've had a couple practices of that is, is a nice foundation. Absolutely. And, and, and one key component of that is to be able to, to do that in an environment where there is really no distractions, right? right. I call it a sterile environment, <laughs> um, an environment where like it, I mean, again, we like to set up our learners for success we also got to set up the environment for success for our learners. And if, if we're competing with other distractions, sense, noises, you know, uh, visual things, we're not going to win that. So I like to do it in a sterile environment 
where I know that my learner is going to be with me and, and, and essentially I'm going to have really high level of success. Right. So that, that's one key thing I would say. And then when you do put on the leash, still do it in that environment so that it generalizes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, Oh, you know, we're, we're up in the criteria, um, you know, by adding, you know, something else. And then, um, you know, then you can, you know, I do, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in um, kind of this motto that we had in the Marines. It was qual, qual, uh, qual, yeah. crawl, walk, run. So ah, right. doing it at the very, you know, very simple, simplistic stages and then adding and then, you know, doing it in, you know, in a lot more environments and a lot more higher levels. Right. I always say start in the library before you go to Disney World, you know. So yeah. do it in the comfort of home, then try it. I always, this is what I normally say. I'm like, do it in your quiet living room, then do it in your not so quiet <laughs> living room and then go to your backyard and try it. And then maybe out front, just in front of your own house and then down the block and then on the go, you know, it's like, like you just said, it's a, yes. it's a progression. Like anything we have to crawl before we run type of thing. So make sure that you're taking this slow and that you're allowing your dog room to think about it and learn about it before we put too much criteria on the learner. So I think that's a great point, Richard. What, aside from doing some of those off leash and and building that foundation, what's another exercise? So if we, we've done that, What's uh, what's exercise number two that people can try to see if their dog can pick up on some of this? Yeah. So now that, you know, we've we've built an association that it's really good to be with us. um, I then, you know, I like to reinforce in motion. Right. So Mm. um, I've seen it done many times where uh, in Karen Pryor, we had um, cones where, I mean, they were just a foot apart. And every time we stepped and hit that cone, we would reinforce as that pup was moving with us and the, the, uh, the leash was loose. And uh, basically we um, did it before the leash even got tight. So essentially we were, you know, reinforcing as the loose, the leash was loose and um, they got to understanding, Oh, this feeling gets me rewarded. Right. Right. So you can, you can set out cones if you need little reminders, like, every step, boom, reinforce, reinforce every time you step. And, and, and that's because at first you're going to need a high rate of reinforcement, right? We're learning something new. We want it. We want to continuously be giving our learner a ton of information that yes, this, what you're doing is good, good, good. And how do we do that? By giving them reinforcement. Again, reinforcement is dictated by the learner. I can't, you know, just because I may like Reese's peanut butter cups, somebody may mm, not like chocolate at all. Exactly. So, so that's another thing too. Make sure you're giving your reinfo- the what the learner wants as reinforcement. Right, what your dog finds as a good good value of something. Yeah, and when and then you know essentially when um, you, you you're getting that motion of you know of every every step or so, add a little bit of more criteria, maybe every other step, um, and you know giving that reinforcement to your learner while they're in position, leash is loose. And you can use aids as like sometimes I've used, you know, where I, I use a fence on one side, my dog's in the middle and I'm on the other side. And I just, you know, so that we kind of control, manage the environment. Right. So it makes it real easy for the learner to be successful. 
Right. Yeah. I love having a wall or a fence, even a line of cars. If you live in the city or something like that, like parked cars on the side of the road or whatnot, having something instead of having open area on that side of your dog, if you start with a wall or a fence or something like that, some type of physical barrier or line, if you will, I think that's really helpful because it gives your dogs in the nicest way, kind of less options to fail And so that way they're kind of already going to stay on that side and walk with you. And it provides a little bit more of a good setup during the beginning stages of this. So I think that's great. Yeah. So we, we talked about some of the foundational stuff, kind of doing it off leash and then adding in. And then we talked about this being proactive, taking one or two steps, rewarding your dog. And then one or two steps becomes three or four steps becomes nine or 10 steps and so on and so forth. I call that the, I have horrible names for some of my methods because I just come up with them on the fly most of the time and then yeah. it sticks as I'm sure you can appreciate, but I call it the, oh, the yeah. step and treat. All right. So, you know, you take, okay. you take a step, you treat, you take another step, you treat, and then it becomes more and more steps before you give rewards as your dog's succeeding. Yeah. So Definitely. I think what we're getting at with the second exercise is, trying to be proactive and trying to catch your dog before they start pulling, right? So trying to capture some of the good stuff. I feel like a lot of people, and I don't blame them. They're not dog trainers, which is why you and I are in business, (laughs) but Uh you know, so (laughs) I, I don't blame them, but they're walking and they're, they're kind of missing some of these moments where the dog's walking really well. And then when the dog pulls, then we're paying all this attention to it. So I feel like we should flip it a little bit, you know? Oh, absolutely. Pay more attention to the good stuff. So I think that's a great next step. And then where do we go from there? So what could be exercise number three that people can work on? They've got a little bit of one and two down. They're feeling good about it. What's another exercise they can try to do? So I like to um, incorporate... you know, some people call them check-ins. Uh, what I like to do is I, 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 uh, I went through a lot of therapy from combat, you know, um, wounds and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of times where I'm really hyper. I talk to my dogs all the time. <laughs> I, I sing to them. Oh, me I too. mean, this is in the house. I get up. I mean, like, I swear sometimes I'm just like, I, I wish I could, I wish they could tell me like what they really thought of me. Like, it would be funny. <laughs> Um, I'm sure they think wonderful things, but it would be good to know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Memoirs of my dogs. (laughs) That would be amazing. Yes, that would be awesome. (laughs) Uh, But I I like to talk to them. And what what I found that does is, you know, I talk to them and they they look at me, right? Because they're they're used to that. We've, you know, we've built a bond. And what ultimately that turns into is checking in, right? Mm -hmm. And so I reinforce that check-in, right? Why do I like that dog to check in? Well, one, it lets me know that my dog's present with me, right? Um, and that's really huge because I, if my dog is used to checking in with me, I can catch certain um, uh, certain scenarios before they even happen and prevent some of these things that may not be beneficial for my dog or I, right? Exactly. So I like to I like to have my dogs check in. So we're moving. I'm reinforcing. I, I'm, I'm I'm talking to my dog or asking for a check in. And I reinforce that check-in. That check-in is could be just my dog looking back at me. I, I you know, whether I'm I'm giving a marker word 
or uh, of yes or using a clicker. I reinforce it with my dog's uh, reinforcement, talk to them, let them go back to what they're doing, just like that. I just want to create that like, hey, it's all right. I'm here. Um, this, this is an equal partnership. Right. And, and, and I, I want to, and plus it allows me to look and kind of see where they're at. Are they overly stressed? Are they having a great time? If they are, let me take note of that because boom, he likes this bush. Maybe we'll go back again <laughs> because he did really good. I'm like, Hey, you remember this bush, right? Yeah. Um, I take notes of all these good things and bad things. Right. Um, because if they're good to my dog, I, I want, I want them to experience the world. Yeah. I mean, building that relationship is really what all training is about, right? I feel like we're all trying our best to enhance our bond with our dogs. And so that's why positive reinforcement is so amazing. One of the many reasons why it's so amazing is that it's really the only way to further enhance not only the communication, but your bond as well. So it's duly appropriate for that. And I, I feel like when those check-ins and things that you were just saying really focus on when your dogs, when your dog's doing really anything, never mind even loose leash walking, but if they're looking at you, checking in with you, glancing over at you, the more you reward that, the more the dog is going to look at you and check in with you. So if you have that on a walk and when they're on a leash and on their harness, they're going to get more and more used to that. And you're going to find that your dog is able to focus on you amidst all of these distractions outside, like squirrels and bunnies and other dogs and people jogging by and fast cars or loud things. And all of those things are going to experience. So it's really important to capture some of that, uh, which basically means, you know, as it organically happens, we're marking and rewarding. And then if you've asked them to look, then mark and reward it too. So I I usually tell people you can ask for behavior and obviously mark and reward it. That's kind of directional training or, you know, really kind of directing traffic with that. But there's also passive training, which is just if your dog organically naturally looks up at you, go ahead and mark that as well. So just because you didn't ask for it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be reinforcing it. So to your point, I think those check-ins can be super, super valuable for not only loose leash walking, but pretty much anything else you're going to want to do with your dog. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just even using it in a, uh, a preventative type uh, measure, you know, if, I, if, if my dog always knows if I ask when I, when they check in that good stuff happens, I can use that to be proactive when I see, you know, obstacles that may be coming up that maybe my dog struggles with and they know automatically to go ahead and check in with me. Right. It could actually become a cue like, Oh, I see a dog. Look at that. Right. right? And then boom, get that retreat. Mm -hmm. Right. Giving them basically another behavior that's incompatible with that other behavior. Right. right. We're trying to replace behaviors we don't like so much. So I think that's a great point. And I, I'm going to throw in a little bonus question. And I know that this is, the, again, there's so many approaches and ways and techniques that we can do for loose leash walking. But all of these couple of exercises are super proactive. And I know a lot of times people will try these things, but their dog's likely to pull at some juncture. So what's mm-hmm. a quick tip of what you would say people should do when they do need to react and they can't be proactive? It just kind of happens and their dog's yanking at the leash. What's, a, what's one tip you would say to respond to that? What, what should people do there? 
So that's a great question. And it, and I see it happen a lot. And, you know, I see people kind of lose, lose it when they're like, Oh, I do it. And then their dog starts pulling. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those things I do is I, I like to change directions on the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not by done by jerking the leash or any type of real manipulation of the leash. Let's just say my dog gets out, he, he stretches out the line. And then so what I like to do is do a positive interrupter of something like or pop, 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 pop. Right. And something that I've kind of already conditioned, that means just, you know, like it just interrupts. It doesn't mean a negative. It's just an, it interrupts it, uh, the behavior. And then I, I, I essentially um, kind of um, do like a little have, U-turn with I, I do a U-turn, but, but dogs, dogs communicate, you know, a lot with body language. And I use my body language essentially to kind of suck them in and start to move with me. I don't mm-hmm. manipulate the leash at all. And it, it works, you know, like I may bend into them uh, and just, and give that. And, and with that motion, I'm telling you 90% of the time, I see that I don't have to do anything else. And we move and we walk the opposite direction. And when that dog is back in position, I reinforce for, uh, you know, being, you know, within, you know, uh, my side area. And then um, we turn back around and we walk the other way. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. that type of method um, that I think if, you know, I was going to do anything, I think that's a real simple method to do. It's real easy to perform. And it's, yeah, we may not get uh, <clears throat> where we need to go at that certain time. But I think a lot of times when we are working with our dog, we need to have, you know, a priority of what's, what's priority. Um, is it time or is it, you know, the training right exactly and when we when we when we make that um decision it makes it a lot easier for us to go okay well i don't have anywhere to be because i've allotted you know let's just say 30 minutes to loose leash walking right so i can work that and that's i think where sometimes we kind of fail ourselves yeah we have to be patient I feel like when we're learning something as people it takes time and consistency and practice and you have to work at any craft any new thing you're trying to learn so we shouldn't put too much on the dog and like you said time we want to devote time to doing this and I normally tell people you want to practice the fire drill before there's a fire. So in the same way, you want to practice this loose leash walking, not when you absolutely need it. You want to set up times to train it so that you're, you have the patience, you have the time, you're not running late to an appointment or for work or whatever. So you can keep your cool. As I understand, it's frustrating sometimes for people. And I empathize <laughs> with that. But we have to try yeah. to, for those of you who are not dog trainers, put on your dog trainer hat And we know as dog trainers to be as patient as possible because dogs don't know what the hell we're looking for until we start teaching them. So we need to be delicate with that and devote that time and have that patience with it and try to make it as successful as possible. So I think that's a great reactionary tool and reactionary exercise because it's bound to happen. I do this pretty much the same exact thing as I really try to get their attention with a positive interrupter, some type of sound or weird. I don't know what I would call it. I, I do a <laughs> boop, boop, boop. I do that a lot. I don't know yeah. what that is, but that came from somewhere <laughs> and that has stayed. Oh my God. <laughs> we all... I got to tell you a quick, I got to tell you a quick little, just a yeah, quick please. little. So I was, I was, um, I, I do a lot of volunteering, a lot of different things. And I was volunteering as a uh, 
base uh, baseball coach. Oh, cool. And I was I had a heavy caseload of dogs and I was, you know, I was out there in practice and, you know, I'm coaching like these kids that are like six years old and they're just all over the place. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> and I was just like, what am I doing? Like, it was it was hilarious. Hey, I, had tell, I had to tell everybody. There. I was like, guys, I'm literally like training a lot of dogs right now. And it's just habit. And I'm just and and the kids would look at me all weird. And I'm like, guys, please don't judge <laughs> me, me. OK, yeah, I'm just. It, it was it's, it was so that funny. is hilarious but, um, yeah. i've i've actually yeah. done that before myself the kissy sound thing yeah, yeah. it's uh it talk about conditioning right you just get so used yeah. to a specific behavior in a context where you're trying to get attention and uh it just yeah. comes out of nowhere and i did train a i trained a, a deaf dog i mean i've trained several deaf dogs over the years but we were doing you know like a, a thumbs up when he was getting a treat and I found yeah. myself after I finished that case and it was a little longer <laughs> before I had a deaf dog again. There was no reason that I should be doing that as much. But I was giving everyone thumbs ups for like two weeks after that because I was just so conditioned <laughs> to do it. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, this this is um, this is a lifestyle when you're training your dog. You're going to pick up things that are going to stay with you. Like Richard and I were just saying, they're going to stay with you for a while. So the more you practice it, just like with the dogs, I feel like the more the pet parent or, or anyone working with dogs tries this, it's going to get easier and easier, more natural, more normal for you as it will for your dog. So we have to be patient on both ends of the leash there. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, um, I'd love to say is about the whole um, – allotting time mm -hmm. so um i've i've been in times where a friend and i we both have dogs and um we're kind of competitive <laughs> and it was like uh, we'd be on a walk and it was like all right all right the finish line is you know uh the stop sign at you know whatever street and i go the first person to get there with their dog on a loose leash wins right and we'd have a little prize or whatever oh, nice. but here's the thing as if the dog pulled it, it acted like a break so the more that it pulled the more you you came to a stop right mm -hmm. just like applying a break so the tension on the break was uh, essentially a breaking uh, mechanism and so we could only move when the dog was was at a loose leash and 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 it was funny because it was like all right no cheating no lying like, <laughs> you can feel it like I, I, we got to keep each other honest right? right and it's a fun game you know you're looking you're like oh my God, you know like you're trying to keep cool and <laughs> all that stuff, but it's a fun game, you know, but again, you got to allot that time and understand that, you know, however long it takes you, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what Training's it is. an investment. You know, you put in the work up front and hopefully you do a good enough job and you put enough coins in that jar that later you can relax a little bit more. So putting in that work now, you can, you can hopefully reap the benefits at a later time. And that's the goal with all of this. And I, I do think too, when one point on that is a lot of times if, and you, you alluded to this already, but when people go out on these walks and they're not going out to train, but their dog's not loose leash trained yet, they go on this long walk or they go on a 20 minute walk around the block a couple times and they're not in the mood to really train it. So their dog just pulls for 20 minutes. You can't yeah. expect to work on it really hard on Monday and then Tuesday comes and you're like, eh, and you let the dog do, yeah. you know, what the dog's going to do. And then Wednesday we're working yep. on it again. Like you have to have some form of, a, of consistency. Yeah. And, and, and that, yeah, so kind of touching on that, like, um, it's kind of why I like a clicker rather than, uh, uh, my voice. 
Um, that clicker is consistent um, at 12 a.m. It's consistent when I have 101 temperature. Mm-hmm. It's consistent when I've lost my voice. It's consistent when I'm having a happy day and I'm really hyper, <laughs> right? So just like that, you know, be- consistency is key. Um, yeah, for sure. I, you know, and, and, and here's the thing, too. I think, um, you know, the crawl, walk, run method, you know, so like, I practice a lot of loose leash walking just in my driveway, like from the left to right, right to left. And, and my neighbors would see me and they're like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going on a walk (laughs) Like in your driveway. And I'm like, sure. And you know, every puppy that I've I've had all my, all my Malinois, you know, they haven't had a, a a shot collar, prong collar, none of that stuff, you know? Um, And so I'm literally, I've, I've put hours and I've record, I have videos, videos dating back of me just recording, looking at, you know, what I can do better, but also watching, you know, my, you know, uh, my dog's gates and, and just, just watching it. If my reinforcement, am I reinforcing the right times, but right there in my driveway. Right. Right. You're setting yourself up for success like that. It's in a controllable environment. Yeah. And another thing is, um, it also helps, you know, it's been, there's studies been shown that people uh, in general, uh, learn better with, uh, physical activity prior and you know that's the same thing with animals and so you know maybe a little game of tug or you know fetch you know getting that getting um all the body mechanics warmed up and just good you know good endorphins going get their willies out Uh, before you go do loose leash walking don't have it be they've been pent up in the house for 10 hours and then you go out and you're like now walk real good and you're like they're like dear god (laughs) i just want to run around right now so that's a really right, good, yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up, Richard, because that is a very, very important point to this. Make sure you guys are kind of letting letting some of the gas out of the tank before we go drive the car around. So I think letting your dog have some physical movement and warming them, go, do a little warm up before you go out to do these walks, it should really benefit yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to leave us with this one important question left. I know a lot of okay. times people are wondering, and I know I hear this a lot, so I know you do too, but if they uh-huh. if they should let their dog sniff while on walks, and I've even had some people tell me they've been told, and for those of you who cannot see me, which is everyone, uh, I'm using air quotes, by another trainer to, or, you know, someone else that has whatever experience they have with dogs has told them, yeah. your dog should not sniff at all. I've heard at all. Sometimes <laughs> it's, you know, they shouldn't sniff. And then people are wondering how much they should, how much they shouldn't, and things like that. Yeah. So I wanted your opinion. What's your stance on dog sniffing while out on walks well uh so uh, obviously i mean you mentioned earlier that i graduated from the university of washington and applied animal Mm -hmm. behavior so i understand a little bit about genetics and ethology all that stuff absolutely um and i'm gonna tell you i mean i'm i'm i I think a lot of people know but our dogs have so many more olfactory receptors than us i think a lot like over 300 million right where we have i think what three to six million it's barely and scratching the surface of what yeah, they have yeah i mean it's so i mean like it's like 50 times more than what we have right um the way they interpret the world in a huge way is through scent right they they're out there they you know that's how they get all their information they get to know if they're in danger if there's threats out who's been there 
what's going on, what's happening, right? All that stuff is there. It's their Google, right? They're (laughs) out there checking all the information, right? Which is very beneficial to us because that is mentally enriching, stimulating for them, which if we're meeting our dog's uh, mental uh, enrichment, you know, um, levels, our dogs behave better, right? So true. Because their needs are getting met, right? We can, we can get a lot of, um, we can meet a lot of our needs with just mental uh, stimulation, right? And, and, and a huge way of that is sniffing. So I, on my walks, uh, when I walk, I've literally, I mean, it's however long they want to stay and sniff, I'm, I'm, I'm there with them because that's for them. They, they, they're living in captivity, with us right like we don't understand you know we try and as an advocate i try to tell people like these are animals that are living in our world trying to be successful with and within our rules Mm -hmm. if if there's one way that i could help them and meet their needs that is to let them sniff exactly plain and simple hashtag let them sniff yeah that's actually in hashtag so people can look that up and see a lot about it (laughs) yeah nice yeah, I, but yeah, that's that's my stance on it. I, you know, I I love I love watching them sniff, and it's it's amazing just to sit there and just see how they sniff, and 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 even letting them roll around and all that stuff. <laughs> that's that's so fun for them. Why wouldn't I want them to do that? Exactly. I want them. To, I want them to experience that because other than that, then they're living. You know, we got to go back inside, and yeah, granted, they still have fun, and I get them enrichment puzzles and things like that, but this is free enrichment out here for them. Exactly. It's true. That's so true. And I think too, the, I think we have a miss, I guess a misunderstanding as a society on dogs. And we, I I always say if I was a dog, I'd be an awful dog. No one would want me. (laughs) I, I would want things my way. I would not be able to live in a world that was not my own. Right. So like you said, dogs are, Dogs don't have a lot of choices as it is. And I know as advocates, as forestry dog trainers, we do our absolute best to allow our dogs to make decisions and help them make the appropriate decisions and good decisions. But I want my dogs to feel like they have choice outside, you know, within reason. I don't want them to run out into the middle of the street or do anything insane. Of course, there is structure and there is boundaries with that stuff. I want them to be safe. But... They should be allowed to sniff. So anyone who's telling you your dog shouldn't sniff on a walk, I will keep how I feel to myself about that. But but we should we should not be prohibiting them from doing something that is extremely necessary for their well being. It is just an absolute. It it's 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 an absolute necess- necessity for them. It is absolutely necessary. I believe so. So, so I, I I feel like you know, again, within reason, I always say within reason, because I know some people are concerned with certain behaviors out on leash. So if your dog is sniffing a mailbox or sniffing a bush, let's take a second and appreciate the fact that they're sniffing. And how about we take a nice deep breath and look around ourselves? I feel like it helps me decompress and relax as well out on these walks because I'm in go mode all day with my lifestyle. And so when I go out with my dogs, it's my time to also stop and smell the roses a little bit, or maybe the bushes or the mailbox instead in this scenario. But 
also I feel like we should be we should be stopping and sniffing a little bit in our own way. So I think it's a nice reminder. Yeah. It is. And you know, I, and and I, I would even say, you know, just because you walk that same road when your dog's sniffing, take a chance to find something new about that environment that you're in that you walk every day. You know, yeah. and and I'm pretty sure you can or notice the changes, you know, notice the changes of the of the leaves turning different colors or notice that new reef that the, you know, the neighbor put right. up. do that. Right. Uh, you know, and take that moment while your dog's taking that moment to get their information. You know, For sure. I think we can all learn a lot from our dogs. So as much as Absolutely. we're trying to teach them, we should be taking a couple notes ourselves. <laughs> So um, that was great. I, so basically to recap, we covered all things loose leash walking, at least the beginnings. We can make five episodes about this and maybe we will at some point. Maybe we'll have a part two. But, um, you know, we, t- we talked about a couple different exercises, things to be prepared with, things to consider and, and some of these techniques to begin trying. So, Richard, thank you so much for being on. It's an absolute pr- pleasure speaking with you as always. Where can people find you? Where where can they find you? So I am, um, <clears throat> I'm back on social media. I took, I took an, an, a good break. I took about a year and a half off. Um, so I'm, I'm back on Instagram. I'm at, um, at the domesticated dog on Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook also at uh, the domesticated dog. Um, we're, we're developing my YouTube channel at the moment right now. And you can go to uh, the domesticated dog.com as we're w- launching our website this month awesome. so a lot, a lot of great things are happening um we're going to be also putting out some uh, on-demand videos as well as releasing some um dog products here shortly um and we're just really excited to um put out products and and stuff that are you know purpose driven with uh the pet pet parents in mind and building that uh, relationship. And that is lovely. I'm very excited for some of those products that I will gladly be <laughs> testing out and purchasing. So awesome. uh, keep us posted on that, Richard. And thank you again for coming on, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And as they say, that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Your support means the world to me. If you got any value from this, I'd love for you to join us on our social media platforms at From Dusk Till Dog. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe, share, and leave me a review. After all, dog trainers need positive reinforcement too.